0: If I can uh, interrupt wonderful, wonderful conversations, I'll try. (laughs) Wow, you guys, this is amazing. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, if I ever met you before, my name is Nick, and uh, it's great to be back here. I was here a number of weeks ago. And um, I think I've appeared, we, did, we tried one sermon a couple of weeks ago where I got beamed in, which was a dummy run, I was the dummy run for the following week when we had that guy Ronnie Hayboyer, who did a brilliant job over at City. and then the whole thing fell apart so we shot him back here and uh, I think you had him live here, wasn't he fantastic? Yeah, just Amazing. And uh, then we were killing time back at cities, so doing all sorts of things to allow him to finish here so he'd get back there. It was great. I think we all panicked. Hey, um, there is a really interesting dynamic that goes on in our society. I wonder if you've ever encountered it. It's this. Someone comes up to you and they says, how you doing? And before you know it, the word that comes out of your mouth is, I'm so busy. And it's almost like we wear it as a badge of honour. And we feel that unless we can say we are busy, we're a second-rate person in our highly driven, achievement-based society. I want to talk about the exact opposite this morning. I want to talk about rest. And Hebrews chapter 4 is all about rest. And rest is this wonderful theological concept that is so rich and so deep and so profound that my prayer this morning is I can just introduce that concept to you. That it would give you an opportunity to have a wonderful life. And imagine if when next time you're asked, how are you doing? And you said, I'm resting. Imagine what that, imagine the looks you get. If you see that, maybe if you just went up somewhere and they said, yeah, how are you? Said, I'm so busy. How are you? I'm resting. <laughs> let's talk about it. Hebrews chapter four, verse one goes like this. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us be aware that none, let's be aware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we have all received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For as Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered this rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. How many people, when you listen to that, think, well, that sounds a very straightforward, clear passage of Scripture? No, it doesn't. It seems to duck and dive all over the place. So I'm going to step back and put a framework around it So that we come to the final part which is the most important command in that which is verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So buckle up, let's get going, let's work out what rest is all about. In the Old Testament there is a number of different types of rest and you see them sprinkled throughout this passage. The first one we find is God's creation rest. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 it says on the seventh day God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from all his work of creation. In Exodus chapter 31 it goes on, it says the Israelites must observe the Sabbath celebrating it throughout their generations as a permanent covenant. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. I, I get an interesting question out of that verse. Was God tired? Did God get exhausted? Did God, why, why did God need to refresh himself? It says there he completed creation, and then he rested it or refreshed it. And the idea behind refreshment is not that you know, he needed to have a sleep but rather that he he wanted to literally breathe life into what he had created. It's a beautiful picture. Abby, my daughter, got married um, two weeks ago. They arrived back from their honeymoon yesterday, haven't seen her yet, can't wait to catch up with her, and that was all wonderful. Two weeks before her wedding, I had this brilliant idea. I wanted to take a wall out in our home. Now it was a brilliant idea because I knew that on the um, Saturday we would have all of the bridal party there and so I just wanted this extra space so you know, our, our lounge had a wall which had a little passageway that was no use to anybody much better, take the wall out so the lounge is bigger, that, that's the simple concept so we're doing this and, and I think this would be great because then we also had family dinner there on the Sunday after the wedding and I just wanted the whole place to be wonderful and filled with family which was great so I did what any normal Kiwi male would do, just before a major family event like that where you want the place to be in pristine condition and I pulled the wall out. Well actually Tom did, he's a builder I'm not, which is just as well. And uh, we got so close to the wire, to the point where on the Friday before the wedding we finally got the carpet person in to replace the little stretch of carpet that we needed and all of a sudden my marriage seemed to calm down again. It was a but, you know, we'd worked hard for a couple of weeks, you know, coming home from work and painting and undercoating and setting stuff up and hanging things and doing all that sort of stuff. And got to that Friday and the carpet went down and everything was done and I sat down and I, I imagined what this room would be like as it was then filled with life and filled with family and filled with people and pictures of the the family up on the wall, and wedding photos. And and then, of course, that happened two days later, and there was a moment where I I sat there in the corner and I just looked at our family spread around this big space, and I go, I'm feeling refreshed. That's the picture. That's the picture. You know, there is a principle of Sabbath here too, because some of us need to learn the skill of Sabbath rest. To refresh, to stop, to enjoy what's been done, and to step away from the relentlessness of this more to do. I could tell you, I have a list that long of all the things I want to do in my home. It's not the only room that needs to be done. There's stuff on the outside. There's a leaky roof I've got to fix it up. There's a whole bunch of things that are there to be done. But if I just can't, if I just went from there, ticked it off, and went straight on to the next thing, I wouldn't have enjoyed that refreshment. And some of us do life in that way, don't we? There is always one more thing to do. We don't give ourselves the gift of stop, refresh before we move on. And we live in this constant world of there's always more to do, there's always more things to be done. The Sabbath rest teaches our heart to trust God. In exactly the same way as we give financially. And we, you know, some of us, I do, Sarah and I do, we give 10%. I mean, that's just a no-brainer. We do that and then above and beyond. We do it, one, because we just simply want to, but the other reason I do it is because it trains my heart to not put my trust in money. So I say, well, the first bit I'm giving to the Lord. You know what? Sabbathing is the same thing. I'm going to trust God for time. And it's a very similar principle. Sometimes we just need to stop and say, God, I'm actually going to trust you. You're bigger than me. You can solve that problem more than I can. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop doing. I'm going to just sit and refresh and allow you to do your work God's creation rests secondly God's presence rests Moses who had led the people of Israel out of Egypt was the leader entrusted with moving them from where they were to where they needed to be and in Exodus 33 Moses goes to the Lord and he says God we need to have a little conversation he said you've told me to lead this people but you've not let me know whom you will send with me he was feeling lonely you said, I know you by name and you've also found favor with me. Now if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you so that I might find favor with you. Now consider this nation as your people. I love the fact that Moses is firstly saying, you've called me to lead, I have no idea who's going to do this with me. I'm asking you God that I want to know you, by, uh, I know you you know me, I want to know you and I want to know how, you, how, you, how I'm supposed to do this thing. But I also want to remind you that your people are not my people. And God said to Moses, he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. There is not only the Sabbath rest, there is this presence rest. Moses asked, he said, God... How can I live in such a way to please you? Teach me how to live so that I can please you. And God said, yeah, I'll do that, but I want you to know something else. My presence will go with you. You see, in in the journey of life, there is this continual rest. We're to live not only in the rhythm of rest, but we're to live in the continuation of rest. People identified as God's own, guided by him, and at rest when all things are at peace. Everything is in order. Everything is in its right place. I wonder if our lives have everything in their right place. Then there's the inheritance rest. And moving on from there, there was the promise that Joshua was going to lead the people into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 9 it says, You've not yet come to the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God has given you. When you cross the Jordan and live in the land the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all the enemies around you, and you will live in security, then the Lord your God will choose the place to have his name dwell. The promised land was this place where there would be rest from the enemies around them. And that for them was a a major thing, because the turmoil, the political turmoil of the time, meant that if they were in a place where the enemies that were around them, and they were, if they were at rest, they were secure They were at peace. Interesting that that generation that Moses led never got there. And Numbers 13 and 14 gives us that horrible story. That one where all the commands and the promises of God, the teaching, how to live in his way, to walk in his rest, to walk in his presence, to walk in his power... And they get to the edge of the land, and Moses says, well, let's send up 12 spies, and 12 spies go up, 10 come back, and they give a bad report, two give a good report, but the the nation listens to the bad report. And there were five things that they talked about. They said, okay, firstly, this is not going to work. Why? Well, if we look here on the list, number one, the giants are too big. And secondly, we're too small. The giants are too big and we're too small. I think there's a bullet point there, Tim, somewhere coming. Here we go. You'll get there. There we go. Giants are too big. We're too small. And then you hear these phrases. If only we'd not come here. Wouldn't it be better to go back? Let's appoint another leader. Yeah, can I tell you these two will be feeling a little bit of that at the moment? Right? I know that. Right? You're about to move from here. There. The reason you're doing that is because when people walk in this door, there is that sense of oh, this feels a bit full, and you might say no, it's not this. I can see seats around me. Believe me, people who don't are not a natural part of this community will walk in here and they go oh, this feels full. It's not welcoming, and we know this because um, last two years the street total we flatlined in terms of people coming to church. Since we put this space in here, it's jumped. Why? Because we created more room. I I can almost guarantee you, when you create more room, God will bring more people in, so that we can share more with the gospel with more people. Now, some of you are already sitting here going, "Man, but I don't want to leave here. I like the space. I like looking at the I like looking at the rugby jerseys. I like the fact that it says liquid refreshments <laughs> behind there." I love the fact that it says solid refreshments. I just yeah, everything about this space is so good. And I look next door. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? The giants are too big. What if it doesn't work? This is putting us on the stretch. You know, yeah. There are people in my life I want to invite. What if they don't come? I'm too small. <laughs> if only we'd not come here. If only you know. If only we'd not come here. Let's go back. Oh, it's all their fault. Let's find a new leader. Yep. Natural. And the thing with these guys is, they listen, it wasn't the giants were too big and God was too small, so they were standing too close to the giants, by the way. We'll get to that in a minute. And so there is that incredible invitation to hear his voice and not harden your hearts. So that's the Old Testament. That's... Reference there in Hebrews chapter 4, let's talk about what that looks like in the New Testament, what that looks like for you and for me. There are three rests that we have. The first one is salvation rest. And salvation rest is the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And there is this incredible promise that as he died on the cross and was buried and rose again from the dead, he finished the work of enabling you and I to have peace with God. That peace has been achieved and that life has been breathed into us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. There is still transformation that occurs, but we must celebrate on a regular basis the fact that you and I have peace with God. It's found in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, it's one of the reasons why we take communion. Because we celebrate the reality that we have peace with God. So we we do life, and every seventh day we come here and we say, you know what, on the Sunday, on the Sabbath, we're going to pause, and we're going to say, God, your work is finished, just like creation was finished. Your work of salvation is finished. We want to declare it. We want to know it. There's plenty more transformation to go on in my life, but right now I'm going to celebrate the fact that my position is I am at peace with you. Salvation rest. Secondly, there is submission rest. To come to know God is to submit to his ways that brings about an incredible sense of his presence and brings rest. But some of us struggle with this kind of rest. We struggle because we see all the problems. We see the suffering. We see the circumstances. We we look at our life through the lens of everything that's wrong. The question here is a little bit like the giants. Who are you closer to? You see, your problem is only that big, really. It's the size of you. God is bigger than the universe. Who are you standing closer to? Your problem or God? And so often we think about our problem. We focus on our problem. We try and solve our problem. We look at that that health challenge we've got, we look at that relationship challenge we've got, we look at that financial challenge we've got and we we spend our entire emotional and mental energy focusing on that and it feels huge why? because we've made it big in our mind you know what? if you walk away from it you find God all of a sudden is a way lot bigger than that problem and it gives rest. And it gives peace. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. You might say, well, how do I do that? What's the choice? But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which the past is all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. i got a couple of challenges going on at the moment. There's a few things that are causing my mind to wander. And I have... Great potential to create big giants in my life. You know what I find? When I choose to set aside some time to stop and to pray and to tell God about it, I come out of the end of those times. Have I solved anything? No. Have the problems gone away? I wish. But I find I'm at rest because I'm standing under the shadow of God who is so much bigger. Problem's still there, but it just funnily enough seems to put it in perspective. And then there's the Sabbath rest. And this is the, the coming of Jesus Christ rest. It's the peace in God. this peace with God, this peace of God, and this peace in God. Revelation 21 gives us this incredible promise. I heard a loud voice from the throne. God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. He also said, write, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. You realize that there is a promise coming rest. An inheritance rest, a rest where there will be security from all enemies, and it 's with him it 's an eternity with him. I wonder if you know that rest. Do you know the rest of peace with God, of God, and in God? So what is rest? And we've wandered through the Old Testament, the New Testament. can we define it? Well, let me give you my best shot. God's rest is this. It's his presence to guide you and strengthen you. It's his refreshment to fill the rooms of your life with him. It's security, knowing that you rest in the security of Jesus Christ's completed work. It's peace with God which gives you a freedom to worship and a freedom to serve and a rest from trying to please, to earn approval. Man, don't some of us do that. We we do what we do with the motivation of if I do that, someone might accept me or like me. And it's confidence in your identity as a child of God. You know, the, the Greek word for rest is anapulsis, which means cessation, refreshment. Christ's rest is not a rest from work, but in work. It's not a rest of activity. It's a rest, it's a harmonious working of all the faculties and affections of the will, the imagination, the conscience, because each is found in God, the ideal sphere of his satisfaction and development. To put it another way, rest is the quiet abode in the presence of God. To put it another way, in the song that we're going to sing in a little moment, rest is this, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Saviour am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. So how do we fall short? Because we need to beware that we don't fall short of that rest. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, this is what the Lord says. Stand by the roadways and look. Ask about the ancient paths. Which is the way to what is good? Then take it and find rest for yourselves. Beautiful invitation, isn't it? Ask yourselves... Which is the way to what is good? Then take it and find rest for yourselves. But they protested and Jeremiah spent his entire life teaching people who refused to do what God instructed. But they protested, we won't. So I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen for the sound of the ram's horn. But they protested, we won't listen. I want to tell you there's two ways that you can be sure that you will fall short of the rest of God. Firstly, don't ask about it. And secondly, don't listen. You realize that you might just be a question away from discovering the rest of God. You might just be an answer away from discovering the rest of God. So how do we make this effort to enter into his rest? Ask a question. A question of who? A question of what? There is all sorts of questions, can I suggest to you? you ask a question of God's word you know we've we've trained ourselves as a society to skim right we've trained ourselves through social media to to not actually sit in God's word we we want to read fast we want to get the we want to get something tweetable because you know, we're filled with pithy little sayings and if we, can, if we can quickly do a little sound bite or a snapshot and we can throw it somewhere then it gives, us, gives others the impression that we're deep. And all we're doing is we're actually looking for something that'll tickle the ears. And the invitation here from Jeremiah is to open the pages and ask. Say, God, would you teach me? It's what Moses did. And it's why the the last couple of verses in the section which I didn't read before, i will to read them now because this is it, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, you know when you come to that moment where you say, God would you I want to ask that you'd speak to me and you slow down enough and you sabbath enough to sit and to allow him to refresh, he starts to talk through his word. And he starts to penetrate and to separate thoughts and motives and to judge the intentions of the heart. That sounds a very dangerous place to be. It is. That the God who created all things would want to expose me, which is why it says, no creature is hidden from him, but but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's the most dangerous, safe place in the universe. I wonder if you've asked recently. I wonder if you've listened recently. I wonder if you've allowed him to examine you, to be bold enough. I wonder what you're actually listening to. I wonder if there are circumstances or situations or enemies that you're listening to or that you're asking or you asking him. That's rest. That's rest. You know, to close, I want to read, I was wondering whether this will work and you'll tell me at the end. I wanted to find a way of describing rest. And I couldn't get past the the, the C.S. Lewis Narnia series. Have anybody ever read that? Okay, a lot of you have. If if you haven't, you let me give you an update. So it's, by the way, read it. If you haven't, just go get it, read it. Right, you need to. The final book in that series, uh, The Horse and His Boy, is a scene where there is this boy who had a horse. Um, The boy's name was Shasta. And uh, Aslan is the the lion who is a a picture of Jesus the whole way through uh, the series. And Aslan appears, the the series is just wonderful, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. Get it and read it if you haven't got it yet. So um, Shasta had been left behind in this story. And as he travels on alone, he begins to feel sorry for himself because of all the terrible misfortunes he's had. But in the midst of his emptiness, Aslan shows up. His presence beside the boy at first seems nothing but a breath, a deep, rich presence that evokes a question that Shasta asked. Which is why this question is so powerful. Let me read this to you. Shasta, who are you? He said barely above a whisper. One who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud but very large and deep. I can't see you at all, said Shasta after staring very hard. Then... For an even more terrible idea had come into his head, he said almost in a scream, you're not, you're not something dead, are you? Oh, please, please go away. What harm have I ever done to you? Oh, I'm the unluckiest person in the whole world. Once more, he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There it said, that's not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. Shasta was a little reassured by the breath, so he told how he'd never known his real father or mother and had been brought up sternly by the fishermen. Then he told the story of his escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives and all of the daughters in Tashban had a, and about his night amongst the tombs and how the beasts howled at him out of the desert. He told about the heat and the thirst of their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded his friend Avaris and also how very long it had been since he'd had anything to eat. I do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. "'Well, don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions?' said Shasta. (coughs) "'There was only one lion,' said the voice. "'What on earth do you mean? "'I've just told you there were at least two lions on the first night, and—' "'There was only one, but he was swift of foot. "'How do you know? I was the lion.' "'As Shasta gaped with mouth open and said nothing,' the voice continued." I was the lion who forced you to join Aravis. I was the cat who comforted you amongst the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you as you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so you could reach King Loon in the time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it might come to a shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who wounded Aravis. It was I. But what for? Child, said the voice. I'm telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but their own. Who are you? Said Shasta. Myself, said the voice. Very deep and low so that the earth shook. And again, myself, loud and clear. Then the third time. Myself, whispered so softly you could hardly hear it, and yet it seemed to come from all around you as if the leaves rustled with it. Shasta was no longer afraid that the voice belonged to something that would eat him, nor that it was the voice of a ghost, but a new and different sort of trembling came over him, yet he felt glad too. He turned and saw pacing beside him, taller than a horse, a lion, The horse did not seem afraid of it, or else it did not see it. It was from the lion that light came. No one ever saw anything more terrible or beautiful than Aslan, the great lion, the son of the emperor over the sea, the king above all, high kings, and Narnia. And after one glance at the lion's face, he slipped out of his saddle and fell at its feet. He couldn't say anything, but then he didn't want to say anything, and he knew he needn't say anything. The high king above all kings stooped towards him. Its mane in some strange and solemn perfume that hung about the mane was around him. It touched his forehead with its tongue. He lifted his face and their eyes met. Then instantly the pale brightness of the mist and the fiery brightness of the lion rolled themselves together into a swirling glory and gathered themselves up and disappeared. And he was alone with a horse on the grassy hillside under a blue sky. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace because it is trusting in you. Beware you don't fall short of the rest of God. Make every effort to enter that rest. Would you pray with me? Yeah, we've got a bit of time to respond. And the first thing I'd ask you to do is to ask God that question why, Am I at rest? What's stealing from, from my rest? Is it circumstance? Are there enemies in my world? the things that have gone on that I just can't seem to find that place of refreshment. When was the last time you you took a Sabbath? When was the last time you took time to allow God to fill your life with life? To fill the rooms of your heart with a A sense of his presence. I wonder when the last time was when you stilled your mind and opened God's word and asked him to speak. I wonder if the Lord would smile at you in that moment and say, I've been waiting for you to ask. I wonder if there's things going on where you're literally a question away from God revealing Himself. Take a moment with Him. And then Sasha is going to lead us in just a couple of beautiful songs of response. And I invite you in those moments you may want to stand. You may want to just stay where you're seated. You may want to find some space. Imagine in this moment that you're like Shasta. You're the the guy running through life. And if you just pause a little, little, you know the, the Lord is right beside you. You sense his presence. You sense his breath. I wonder what he wants to say to you today. In this space, give him that moment. Allow him to minister into your hearts.